the Everything Sequel Podcast is brought to you by Tuity Fitness and the Vegas Beer Guys. The Everything Sequel Podcast contains explicit language, and I will not go to my room. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Halloween edition, part two. Michael Schatz here of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man in the mask himself, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hit him in the chest with one, Tom. Wow, that's terrible. Take off your clothes. (laughs) One of my least favorite parts of this movie. Really? Just in the sense of, uh, it's one of the, you know... This woman is unburdening herself about the trauma in her past life and all the man can think yeah. about is let's fuck. I I think I, I don't think there's a line in the in the series that better sums up the link between sex and trauma in this franchise. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> well, here we are. We're here to talk about Halloween H2O 20 years later. All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean we're Jesus talking about Christ. it 20 years later, everyone. That's a part of no. the fucking title. Uh, we both list this. Can we just can we just just stop stop for one moment? The the 20 okay Halloween. Yes. Self explanatory. 20 years later. Self explanatory. Beyond a water pun. Yeah. <laughs> right. H2O. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to knock it too much because it was Jamie Lee Curtis's idea, and I love that they took her seriously enough to let her do it. But well, but what it means is that they really named this movie Halloween, Halloween, Halloween twenty years 20. later, twenty years later. Yeah, that's what they named this movie. Yeah, Halloween, Halloween, twenty years, twenty years. Yeah, no, just Halloween, Halloween twenty, twenty years later. I also think if you're gonna if you if your title is gonna be a pun, the pun should relate to something that's in the movie. Right. You know, whether that's like every like I don't Well know, in the movie all they'll say need... is twenty years ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they need to be like every five minutes they need to be drenching themselves in water for this pun to make sense. <laughs> oh But goodness. I interrupted your uh, your business. So yeah, business. I mean we are talking Halloween, H2O, 20 years later. This is a 1998 movie directed by Steve Miner. Not Miner, Miner. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's definitely not a minor. Yeah. He's a major. But he's, uh, you know, ha- he's got he's got horror, uh, <laughs> horror experience. He's directed Friday the 13th, Part 2 and 3. He directed House, which we did on the... How Dare You podcast. He's directed Warlock. Then uh, movies like My Father the Hero, The Unfortunate Soul Man, where he mm. met... Is that is that what it's been retitled it's as? The Unfortunate Soul Man? Most assuredly should be. Am I right? Uh, he, uh, of course, met... I don't know if he met her, but he directed Jamie Lee Curtis before on Forever Young. 
And also... <laughs> I'm sure he met her in order to direct yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm saying maybe they <laughs> know, met before that. Uh, you're right, yeah. But uh, also, favorite of the How Dare You podcast, he directed Lake Placid. Yeah. Fucking great movie. And yet, the re- and yet apparently the reason... <laughs> The reason why he got this job is because he was directing the pilot for Dawson's Creek. Yeah. <laughs> Not because he's the guy behind House or two Friday the 13th movies. <laughs> or one well, of the, I, think, know, it... I think Kevin Williamson knew that he'd done that. Yeah. He I just know. happened to be directing the pilot that... of, of Dawson's Creek and knew that. But he... it's funny that that's the connection. Yeah, that he knew Jamie Lee Curtis and he said, hey, what about this? But the, the director, the director of Scream, well, the writer of Scream and the director of House have to come together over Dawson's Creek. It's a str- yeah, <laughs> it's a strange set of coincidences. Incestuous Hollywood, right? Uh, what do you think about this? Fifty-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Low. Yeah. Very low. Very low. I think so too. Get that thing up People to seventy. People don't know what good storytelling is anymore. It's upsetting. That's my old man yells at cloud reading of that. <laughs> People don't know good storytelling when it kicks them in the ass. Right. On a budget of seventeen million. Or editing. Editing, well, we'll get to it, but budget of seventeen million dollars, an opening weekend of sixteen point one million in the USA and the world, fifty five million dollars. You know, modest hit. Yeah. I mean we we've already referred to it, but this was slated as a direct-to-video release, yeah. so really, if it allows if, if you anything, to make another film... If anything, it saves the film, franchise. Yeah. No if matter what Rob Zombie another... says. Well, we don't listen to what Rob Zombie says. <laughs> and in this and in this case, don't even acknowledge that he exists. <laughs> Not yet. Which is a world I'd like to live Not in. Not yet. <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> All right, so we have, you know, all the kind of, all the big players in one way or another were coming back or supposed to be coming back. Yeah. One of the famous stories for this movie was that John Carpenter was supposed to come back, Deborah Hill. Where have we heard that before? Yeah. <laughs> and of course... The most famous story was that John Carpenter was pissed at all the lost revenue over getting screwed over on all the other sequels. So he said, I'm happy to come back. Give me $10 million to direct. And they said, no, thank you. And yet the movie still happens. Yeah, Jamie, I mean, you know. Mostly, yeah, I think because Jamie Lee Curtis wanted it to happen. She did, yeah. And, um... You know what they did not just, listen to her about, though, that I think she was 100% right about? What's that? She wanted the poster to be the, the view between the the stall doors in the bathroom where yeah. the shape is just looking back. I think that would have been a well, great poster. <laughs> if you base it on how much that sequence has been stolen, yeah. it's obviously the key set piece of the of movie. Of the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's um listen uh, yeah i think it's it, it's credit to her uh um she came back because she was convinced this was going to be the last one right 
and that she could she, she could wrap up a story. She should have known how wrong she was when they asked to film two different endings. <laughs> to be fair, they did they they I think everyone including Steve Miner was under the impression that, that that ending would never be used. It was just to shut up Mustafa Akkad. Yeah, that's true. So they could they could do what they wanted to do, which was to kill off Michael Myers. Yeah. Um that's not this movie's problem. Okay. Yeah. This movie this movie did that. Absolutely. It went there. It went there and it deserves all the credit for doing right. it. How many times have we talked about big swings? Well, literally a big swing in this movie. Literally a big swing of an axe, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you know, so I mean, as always, let's start at the beginning. Mm. What do you think of, uh, you know, we've got a, we've got some imbasses. We've got a cold open. <laughs> well, we've got so oh, we've got um, we've got a greatest hits montage. Yeah. Right. So we got we've got Mr. Sandman over the logo, a knife and a pumpkin. You know, the uh, the Halloween branded font. Mm hmm. So whether it's sound or vision, and and you know this is one of one of the way one of the more subtle ways in which this movie is economical, right? It's got a running time of a of an hour and twenty minutes. So even when it does embasses, it does them in a remarkably efficient, efficient way. Yeah, and clip. You know, it's one of my favorite parts. It's very satisfying. You know, it's it's like you don't you don't feel like you need anything right. else. And you know what was really satisfying? Listening to Sandman, Mr. Sandman, and then having that movie Hall cut out. Halloween too. Yeah. Or not movie, having that music cut out the second Marion yeah. gets to her porch and sees the the knocked out porch light. I really like I that. Suppose, I suppose it's given, given that it is not a given at this point that we are not following on from Curse of Michael Myers, it's important to give us a sense of where we're picking up from, which is Halloween too. But I was going to say, it. yeah, it's also... This 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 movie chooses to do something different from twenty eight something the same and different from twenty eighteen, yeah. which is excise some of the canon but keep one sequel. Yeah, and you know if you were to retake, so I don't know. I, I again, this is this is something where I may be on an island out on my mm -hmm. own, and I understand that. Effectively, we've erased Halloween for to curse mm -hmm. from the timeline. Well, let's just take Halloween three as well. Wait, what are you talking? You don't get to not excise three. <laughs> it's a different kind of exorcism. Um, and yet, I mean, I know that behind the scenes. There were drafts of the script written that included yeah. those movies in canon. As a book report. And yet, I don't think necessarily there's anything in the film that disproves the existence of the events of those movies in the way that people have written about these movies thinks it does. The only pushback I'll give on that is if... It just doesn't say anything about them. If Laurie right? Strode slash Carrie Tate didn't have 
a child, I'd go with you on that one. In I mean, a child mm. in this movie. Yeah, but and as far as th- that's the weird thing, like as far as the writers were concerned, they just gradually redrafted it mm-hmm. to the point where everything to do with Jamie Lloyd was gone. Right. But they never stated it definitively. So as a viewer, you can keep that in your mind if you want to. And you know, as an option as an optional canon. You could. Again, another reason why this movie is better than Halloween 2018. And Jamie Lee Curtis is doing license. good enough acting to make you think there's something going on underneath there that she that yeah. she's she's willing to share something but not everything to uh, Anna because Markin. she faked her death in a, a car accident, which is also the story we're told in yeah. Halloween 4. Right. So, it's a stretch, but it's one that your imagination can make, and it's not closed off for, you know, it's not closed off in a way that, uh, it, 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 you know, you, you can you can keep the canon in mind in a way that Halloween 2018 will simply not it let won't you allow you that's true um I don't know how we got there I like that it starts on October 29th yeah and not in Haddonfield yes correct this really this really is a remake of Halloween 3 yeah <laughs> But you're, you know, you're also seeing some other things. I mean, you're, you definitely feel that you're in a world in which Scream has happened. You can feel its presence throughout this whole movie. Not that it's, not that that's a negative. I think it's. I don't think it's as intrusive as some people have portrayed it. Okay. I mean, it's a metatextual film, Mm -hmm. but that's. And yes, Green but even the Scream movies make Maurice. an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> well, not even Scream. It's Scream Two, yeah. and it's the movie within the movie in Scream Two. So right. that says to me more. That's more a statement about how metatextual this movie is, mm-hmm. uh, less that it is a Scream ripoff. Sure, but it does. It works. What I do like in this cold open is one. You you have a character that fans from the series should recognize. Yeah. So you have Marion, the nurse, but the movie itself is doing things, working against tropes mm-hmm. that come in other horror series. Uh, I absolutely we, agree. We cut the music and then we don't have music come back. I love when she's walking around the house to complete yeah. and total silence. Also, every time she feels like something's up or weird, she doesn't go investigate further. She gets the fuck out of the house. <laughs> She does the thing that we always want people in horror movies to do. Not that it works out for yeah. her. But I like that this movie makes those choices. I think, you know, that's working against cold... type in a way that's interesting to me. I think this cold open is pretty much perfect. Yeah. Um... But it's also speaking to the times because we're, we yeah. got Joseph Gordon-Levitt making an appearance. And he's right in the middle of a uh, Third Rock from the Sun run. Mm-hmm. So he's... He's not the it actor that we, you know, know him to become a little bit later, but but he's a known and entity. Why, and so, and this is why it feels like, you know, like a again a sincere, earnest, genuine tribute to the original Halloween. You know, which uh, it introduced Jamie Lee Curtis mm-hmm. to the world as a as a youth star. Yeah, 
and with both Jordan uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Josh Hartnett here, Michelle we're Williams. doing the same thing. So, and Michelle Williams, and so it has f- the fidelity to the project of Halloween, not just the tropes of Halloween. Yeah. And that's where I feel like that elevates it slightly. Um, obviously, you know, Marion coming back, a legacy character and actor to start the movie, is an impasse. She will also she's played the same character in three different timelines mm-hmm. of the of the movie by the end of this. Uh, but she's just revisited in a very satisfying way. I love the cigarette dangling out of her mouth. Yeah. And you know, dare I say it, when when this movie pulls that legacy card, or even just the sort of cinematic celebrity card later with Janet Lee. Yeah. They actually feel like real characters in this world. They don't Absolutely. feel like just the actors. And that simply doesn't happen. The movie happen will make Halloween small kills. choices to ensure that that happens. When Adam Arkin takes Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis into her office because he needs a fix of kissing. But when he walks out of the office, Janet Lee is standing there like a stern nursemaid, like Nurse Ratchet, uh, di- disapproving. And that scene is fascinating on a metatextual level because you've got two famous kids of famous actors, yeah, right? And one of and their one of their parents in the room. <laughs> <laughs> to and, speak you know, nothing I mean, of cars from Psycho. I think right, which they really had to hunt yeah. down. Um, you know, and uh, pretty much the only negative thing I have to say about this scene is the Hellraiser on the porch. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a Hellraiser doll on the porch, and you know that that's the kind of Weinstein's trying to create a, yeah. an expanded universe of their properties. Uh, but I love, but speaking of crossovers that really do work, I love the fact that it's a, a Jason hockey mask. Yes, yeah. Um, that shows me that the, the the film is interested in having fun at its own expense mm-hmm. and at the expense of its fandom. Absolutely that, right, know, and a lot you know the horror. Each horror franchise sometimes gets very insular, right, in its own fandom. Sure. So it's really interesting when it decides to comment on the wider on the wider horror, horror genre. It's yeah. a really fun way to do that, because um, it's the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. That like other franchises of, you know, there are other franchises in the available, world, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Um, and you know when she when Marion says, you know, they're all dead. Like everyone, again, you're dealing with the contradictions of having an intergenerational franchise, and this is something 20 years in that the series has to deal with. Right. It's a, it's now multi generational, and that has to be reflected on screen. And I and think it is. this film does a really good job of yeah. that. Without any sense of inauthenticity from the new cast members. Not at all. And and one particular moment that I think stands out in a way that's, you know, very satisfying for me, but I'll get there. I mean, it's a small thing, but a thing yeah. that um, the mechanics of it, I think, work great. And this is, you know... But this, this is when we get our Donald Pleasant stunt acting, stunt voice. Yeah. I mean, I like the, also like the fact that, you know, she, Marion is... Uh, kind of badass in how she fights off Michael. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the flip side of that is we have a more vulnerable Michael. And I think that the, we keep doubling down on that. We see a, someone who's beatable, you know, mm-hmm. someone who is not, not this 
supernatural, super invincible, superhuman. Yeah. Which is, you know, the, the movie doesn't play that card. Um, and it it's kind of quite uh, quite satisfying. I love these cops as well. Yeah, you know, right. It's a great line. Hit, we hit the daily double here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that you know they are they they're pure exposition, right? They're just filling in the gaps. No, yeah, right, right, right. But I but you, you know, it, it works. It works for me totally. I, you the know? whole thing was, works for me because you know, she, like I said yeah. earlier, she leaves the house. She goes to Joseph Gordon Levitt's house. He's got yeah. he's got the hockey uh, the the skate in his face. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, Marion is is finding a way to fight back against Michael. And you have mm. that thing in horror movies where, you know, a lot of times in, in that moment in a horror movie, the, the person is not doing or saying what they should in the moment. Yeah. You know, the movie kind of misses the mark, but the cops walk like in that. just in the time. Uh, yeah. The only thing I'll push back on a little bit is once she smashes the window, they probably hear that. But we'll we'll cover yeah. it by the fact that they were inside the house. Mm-hmm. And and I love speaking. You know, you know. Now it's a multi generational saga. I really like how they use the veteran cop to remind us that Michael is now love in, that like a middle aged yeah. man. But in he'd a really simple a, way, he, that, I like it. When, I love it when he says, "You know, he'd be the same age I am." Yeah. It's how great. old are you it's, telling me I am, asshole? <laughs> you know, it's efficient. It's efficient Very. storytelling and exposition. Um. And it, you know, the the whole cold open it resets the franchise in a way that that you need. Mm-hmm. It does it quickly, like everything else but in this not, movie. But we're not starved for information, right? We're like give just enough, just just enough that we need to restart. Yeah. So I think it's pretty much I think it's pretty much perfect. I also like it takes on some of the kind of uh, cliches and expectations of. The Halloween franchise, and you know the the idea that the that it's Michael is kind of a Puritan killer, yeah. That you know he punishes transgressions, and so as soon as Joseph Gordon Levitt steals that beer from the he's fridge, fucked. <laughs> yeah, he's he's fucked, you know. <laughs> and I think that's a really nice way of doing it. And also, he feels like a character out of Friday the Thirteenth more than he does a character from Halloween. Mm, that's interesting. But yeah. The difference is the movie knows it. Mm-hmm. Because he's wearing a hockey yeah, mask right. the entire time. But I also like, you know, I like the fact that he checks out her house. He demolishes her her, yeah. her pan holder above the island. Uh, and I love that he comes out, you know, she's, Marion's so worried about what might be in her house that she doesn't hear what the audience hears, which is the gentle clinking of beer bottles in his pockets. Yes. And... The offhanded remark of, oh, yeah, you also got, uh, you messed up your kitchen pretty good. Just walking off and, you know, so those. It's fun. You it's know, just it's, fun. It's, it's, yeah. It's fun. And, you know, we have these minor characters who uh, developed not in a hysterical way, but in a fun yeah, way. Yeah, right. Um, then they're not. They're not comically heightened. They're just. They're just fun to watch and be around. Absolutely, and that and that's a distinction once again that Halloween Kills does not understand. <laughs> um, I imagine you'll yeah, be saying no, that I mean a there's lot. a, but you, sorry, I'll just stop saying it. Just take it as read. Uh, the the titles definitely, I was like, well, 
this is definitely post usual suspects. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and a total imbass, obviously. Photos from photos, maps, the films in newspapers, drawings, yeah. drawings. <laughs> but again, you know, but, but it's, there's it's nothing the, that doesn't the work. The most efficient way. Yeah. yeah. The most efficient and way we, tell can, you, we can give you this information. Well, I want to ask you more than anything. Um, generally speaking, like, what do you think? I mean, there's there's different music in the movie overall, but the Halloween theme. It's the same but different. And it feels yeah. updated in a way that feels of the time, but not. Yeah. Um, but when you watch it now, it doesn't feel stuck in that time like i really like no. it i kind of like this version of the halloween theme mm. within this movie i think it works i think it all works really well and i'm just curious yeah i don't i don't have a problem with the the music in the in the film proper when we get well, to the credits we've got to we, talk we about got, Creed, well, there's but... other stuff to talk about then yeah. yes i understand yeah. but even that you know i mean I don't know if Creed is ever played in the film, but Creed like bands are, and I think, well, that's just a representation of what they're listening to at the time, yeah. you know. It, and I think the characters awful. are it's, it's listening that generation. to. It's it's the fault of that generation. It's yeah, not exactly. The fault right. of the movie right. for representing the awful music that people <laughs> listen to. <laughs> that's good. Oh, that's good. Well, and of course, uh, when we get out of our opening credits, as we uh-huh. focus in on the pencil drawing of Michael Myles, Myers' eyes, we're going to mm-hmm. go right into a dream <laughs> sequence. And you were just talking about the, the amount of exposition given in, the, in yeah. this, this cold open. And there's an awful lot of exposition given in this dream sequence. Yeah, and you know, you would normally... Well, not you particularly, but we would normally scoff yeah. at dream sequences being used in this fashion. But again, you know, this is how you account for twenty years when you're making a movie that's under ninety yeah, minutes. Yeah, exactly. You gotta cut. You gotta cut corners. So if dream sequence is the fastest <laughs> way to get this information across, let's do right. it. Let's go. I, I'm I'm on board. We find out where it's gonna take place. We find yep. out her new name new that she has a, a son. Yeah, we know. Uh, she's got PTSD. Exactly, PTSD. I mean... If you blink, you're going to miss the scar on her arm because you're not going to see it in the whole rest of the movie. The scar given to her, you know, in the first movie when Michael tries to uh, stab her. Oh, interesting. That's good attention to detail. Yeah, it's on her arm when she wakes up screaming and John has to get her murder pills. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, her nightmare pills. It's Stallone and Ra- and Rambo who has murder pills. I'll say these are her her nightmare pills. <laughs> murder pill. So, um, <laughs> and this goes back to I think when we did Final Destination, I talked about how horror movies are easier to make sequels of because you can continue the story of the final girl. You have this yeah, built-in right. trope. That you can and and this this movie is really going to town on that idea. You know, she's the 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 idea of the final girl who's become like a lifetime trauma victim. Right. And this is a, I think, a really good use of this, and it it's so it's done so purposefully and definitively here. I can't believe that Halloween had the balls to just steal it outright. 
<laughs> Again, speaking, I'm going to say that in their minds, I think they were doing something different. But yeah, uh, in my mind, I'm often doing something different from what I'm actually doing. Um, I tell you, here's some, you know, in in the column the same, of originality, the same in the column of originality. This one gets Summer it. Glen, Summer Glen, Summer Glen, California. Yeah. I mean, we've never left Illinois ever. Except in, well, let's not talk about Halloween 3. <laughs> if only because we have it's, talked about it. We know that these movies don't play, take place in that world because yeah. they're watching them on TV. But but the movie is smart enough to know that we're going to we're going to be weirded out by beginning in the middle of California. So we've got this cold open which takes place in Illinois. Yeah. But it's not Haddonfield because we don't want to go back to Haddonfield. Right. So these are all good choices. Smart choices. One after the other. Um, so, all right. This it's a good you know it's a good balance of familiar and new. Agree, yeah. Which is what you want from any sequel, of course. Uh, so we're off to a good start. Uh, why don't we? Uh, I think so. Yes. Why don't we take a break? Yeah. All right. And we'll right. We'll come back and we'll get into uh, well, not the meat the of the story, but from dad. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into building, learning about new characters and where our old characters <laughs> yeah. are. We'll efficiently build an interim storyline. <laughs> we'll be right back. Asterix, they don't do this in Halloween. <laughs> you're just trying to, you're trying to sully my arguments before I could even get to them. <laughs> you son of a bitch. We'll be right back. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2AT Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2AT Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tuity Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing Halloween H2O, the chemical formula sequel from 1998. <laughs> <laughs> directed by Steve Miner. I stole that joke from Tom, everyone. You don't need to credit me. You, you deserve all the credit. You steal all your jokes. <laughs> from your brain, where you come up with them. <laughs> it was a good one. All right. So we've met Carrie Tate slash Laurie Strode. Let me ask you this. What do you think of the choice because in this moment, you know, John 
has to comfort bomb. She's waking up out of mm. a night terror. Yeah. But you learn right away that everything that she's hiding from the rest of the world, she's not hiding from her son. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that too. I mean, I don't want to hop on about efficient storytelling, but <laughs> it's cut immediately cuts out that scene where she has to tell him what's, what's going, going on. What's going on, right? <laughs> I think it's done for nobler reasons than that, but still. Yeah. It helps. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, why why beat about the bush, you know? He, it's it just, very to clean. me, it seems like the she sort of thing... She wouldn't be able to hide it from him, right? Yeah, she wouldn't be able it to seems hide. to me like the sort of thing a movie like this would generally do. Have that well, character hide yeah. it from her son and yeah. have to have the moment where she has to tell him later. Yeah. Whereas we get that with the boyfriend, so why do it twice? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Why do it twice? It's a question I'll be asking many times over, over and, in Okay, this now wait. So, you're accusing 2018... I didn't say anything. Of <laughs> You've been saying, though, over and over again. You're accusing 2018 of stealing things wholesale. Now, okay. what's the difference? Because this movie has some of that, too. Yeah. Does it bother you as much in this movie as it does in that movie? Or is it because it's less... What are you talking about? Well, let's say Michelle Williams looking out the window and seeing Michael Myers. So we're taking directly from the original Halloween. Just like Laurie looked out the window. Well, my, be well, well, my beef is that, you know, I mean, pretending... But Halloween 2018 keeps the original in canon. Uh, as this does. Yeah. But it gets most of its content from sequels that it refuses to acknowledge. So that that's exists. the beef. But you don't think well, there's it's... anything to the argument that despite the fact that they wanted to clean up the storyline, I guess is the way they'd say it, that they still, it's not that they have a lack of respect. That's why these things are in that 2018, because because they like those moments. Like you can't do an homage to the to the other movies but i i don't i just don't understand i don't understand how you can give with one hand and take with the other right. like that but i mean i don't think it's i mean i don't think it's particularly bad here is no it? yeah like i said there's not a lot of it i'm just saying it's it's a lot it's enough of a and it's established as a meta movie and i think part of the reason for that is so it can so that everything has this double meaning mm -hmm. You know, it, it's referring both to what's going on in the fictional universe versus the, you know, the cultural legacy of Halloween. Okay. So, you know, much later on, we'll get to a closet and, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis will go, oh, fuck. Yeah. And that's just speaking directly to an, to an audience who know what's coming. Yeah. And what, like, like, you know, know the trope. Um... So I think with this that form of address that goes on here, it's a perfectly acceptable thing to do. Okay. Let me ask you this, though, because we have not mm. given any play in the ranking or in our first segment. We know that I personally am invested in Mask Watch. Oh, yeah. Let's Mask, let's, let's mask Watch. Well, so. What's, what's Mike's mask? 
Well, can uh, I ask you musings. first of all? Mike's Mask Musings. <laughs> MMM. It's a different logo than uh, Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. <laughs> can I ask you this? Did you notice that there seemed to be a much better and good-looking mask in the cold open than there is in the rest of the movie, or am I crazy? Uh, I don't think you're crazy. Let me see what I... Keep talking. I'm just saying, when this movie starts, I look at the mask and I think to myself, that looks quite good. And then we get to California, and the mask <laughs> goes to shit. Ah. I have no notes about the mask in the cold open, and lots for the rest of the film. So mm. that, that proves my point, right. I think. I think it did tacitly, it, it, it proves your point. I think it's like DNA evidence. Uh, let's let's not go crazy. Who who but Tom Stewart would write down a mask note if he if he was noticing something wrong with the mask? Who else but Tom Stewart would be writing those notes? I mean, well, to to me, what stands out about it is how featureless it is, mm -hmm. and how <laughs> and how much that lack of Features <laughs> makes it look even more like the like William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my two big observations about the mask. <laughs> I mean, it's paper thin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Am I wrong? It, it no, looks, I don't think so. It does. It it looks like it doesn't look like a mask. It looks like like someone's rolled up some A4. Mm -hmm. So let me ask I you this too, eyes in it. because my my biggest drawback for this movie and my biggest complaint for the movie, putting the mask aside for now, would be, because I'll tell you the one thing that I do like about the 2018 and even, I guess, Halloween Kills, the performance of the actors playing Michael Myers. Yeah, I mean... The performance the, in this movie yeah. is, for me, particularly... I'm going to say bad. <laughs> it's not great. You know? It, it's, and it it's, makes a real difference. It does. When you have so, somebody great in that jumper with even a yeah, bad it mask, does. it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Well, Andy, Andy has a bad mask. <laughs> it doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> so, the yeah, it's it's interesting because it goes against. So this that they they establish they they establish Michael as a character in a way that's more plausible and credible than it has been in the past, right? And will be in the future. But the realism doesn't extend to the actual physical portrayal of the character. Yeah. Because you look at him, you go, he looks 20 years younger than when we last saw him, not 20 years older. Yes. But he also and looks... He's like a, He's also a stick. Oh, see, I don't guy. think so. I think he's... No? I think he's a little hunched in moments. If you told me that was um, Jamie Lee Curtis with a mask on, I would, I would agree. There's a moment at the end of this movie when she hits him with the car. Yeah. Well, actually, I think before that, when, he, when she applies the brakes and he you know flops through yeah. the windshield he gets up 
I don't even know, like uh, Beavis or Butthead. <laughs> like, like that's what it looks like to me. Where, okay, yeah. It, it, to me, it looks it looks almost comedic, as though he's this close to going. <laughs> I really wish he had now. What What do you think about? Okay, so again, my only pushback to this: you're absolutely right, and you are. You Thank know, you. You're the mask. You're the mask meister. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to challenge you on that. Is that? What about the eye acting in the final scene? Okay, that's pretty. I mean, that I, obviously the next movie completely ruins that. Right. But if you didn't know that it ruined it, it's the one moment where I. It's very compelling acting. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll agree with that. You, and I think part of the reason they. It's not. You know, there are moments where I want to say it's enough to save everything else, but it's not really because yeah. the whole. The rest movie, of it's I'm, kind of. Yeah, he's just. I to me, he's just. It's just miscasting. It's like. And I wonder whether, you know, when you see him and Jamie Lee Curtis fighting, it's like, yeah, those look, they look like brother and sister. (laughs) But because the weird thing about this movie is that it doubles down on the sibling connection between the two. Sure. Um, And I think the movie is crafted around that in a way that other movies aren't. Other Halloween movies aren't yeah, right. necessarily, and some, you know, are almost the opposite of that. Uh, you know, want there to be no connection between them. Mm-hmm. So, but on the whole, I think, yeah, I mean, it's pretty hopeless. Because um, I just think of, but he's not in a lot of. The, I mean, he's not in a lot of a movie. I also, I like how it's written. I, I, do, I don't like it how it's performed most of the time. But I like the way that the character is written. Yeah. In terms of what he does within the film, but when you actually see him doing it, yeah. it, it's quite underwhelming. All right. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> I mean, he's you know he's your classic sneaky Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. He's also, as we said, a little bit, bit of more a scam. vulnerable than a little bit more vulnerable than mm-hmm. some of the um, some of the other uh, Michael Myers that we've seen. Um, and you know the sense of Maybe even too much of the child Michael Myers is there. Mm. The point where he doesn't seem like a man who is like four. You know, that might be part of it. It like that might yeah. be a choice the actor was making that does not work. But it's you know, again, it's about degree, isn't it? Like oh, oh, I'm gonna say something nasty about two thousand eighteen now. Go ahead. But he's too much of an old man <laughs> in that. <laughs> And this one, he's too much of a child. So there's somewhere in between that works better. Hmm. If you ask me which I prefer, obviously this one. Because it makes sense within the sibling, within the characterization of Michael Myers as an overgrown child. Um, anyway. Uh, I'm going to disagree on that one. Okay. I like the performance. No, I, th- I don't think it's successful in representing that, but... I think that's okay in terms of what he's doing in the film. Mm-hmm. I think he's uh, there's a lot of hide and hide and go seek. Yeah. Well, and within the scope of our story, we know that Laurie has this nightmare. We have kind of a. I think this is the clunkiest part of the movie's dialogue 
Not that it's terrible, but it's a little clunky when John is saying things like today is the day and it's the day you're going to realize that you're overbearing and you're this and you're that. And he gets the uh, 17, turning 17 birthday card two months late from his dad. What's wrong with that? That's not bad. Sorry. Just the, oh. just the, the just that dialogue part to me is a little clunky. Okay. Not terrible, but uh, you know, didn't uh, I didn't get it? And you know, it's a. It to me that's that that's the. It it felt very. Teen drama. In a way. Well, this that, is the director of the pilot of Dawson's Creek. I know. I understand. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, t- I like that scene. You know, this, again, this it's. I think it's a really well done version of the intergenerational tension yeah no not passing on passing on your shit to your children i literally just wish that there was a little bit better dialogue for the actors to be doing to be saying okay okay but we with this birthday card we have a great setup we do and you know it's like this is the late 90s versus the late 70s, so we're kind of normalizing broken families. Yeah, right. You know, we don't. We assume that the neighborhood in Haddonfield in 78 is basically all nuclear families, with maybe one or two exceptions. Sure. Here it seems like the norm is, you know, John comes from a broken home, Molly comes from a broken yeah. home, so that's like, two, that's like two out of the four. That we um, know of. That we know of, yeah. And just, I, I guess as well, like, the teenagers being more sexually free and open than the previous generation. Well. Like, they talk about going, you know, it's going to be I mean, Laurie's friends orgy. were pretty, at least one of them, were okay. pretty liberated. Okay, fair enough. You know? Not that I don't okay. get what you're saying, but... But I get, uh, I get it. I get it in the sense of... Uh, how how they're willing to talk about it without doing it as sort of a, a, a main part of their lives, you know? Yeah. Where it's sort of, uh, it's a, it's an in-joke between the two couples. It, it's really, yeah, that's really interesting. And I guess the other distinction is that they're okay joking about it in front of adults. That's, yeah. You never get a sense of that. That's what I was just going to say, because yeah. they're also, it's like they're at a meeting, but they don't mind, yeah. you know, they're around others. Adam Arkin's right behind them, could be listening. They yeah. don't give a shit. He's saying things that would get most... Yeah, l- uh, a little later he's going to be fired. saying things that would absolutely get him fired today. <laughs> well, here's, here's uh, something to bolster your argument about this movie stealing from sequels it won't acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least not definitively acknowledge. Michael's on the road again. Yeah. Just like in four. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that the movie thinks it's just like four, though. No, that no, I don't either. I was just trying to throw you a bone. I think they're doing. I think they think they're doing their own thing. And also, I really like that scene. This is such a good set piece. Yeah. And clearly, everyone who saw this film thought so as well. <laughs> immediately wanted to imitate it. Because this rest stop scene, we've seen. In both Rob Zombie's version and in the David Gordon Green mm-hmm. version, reinvented in their own disgusting new ways. <laughs> um, 
But it's just a, you just sort of, I, I, I don't know, this hasn't happened before in the franchise, right? This isn't a, a pull from anything that's happened before. No. Which makes it even more remarkable. Yeah. It's just like, because it feels like Michael's been doing this. It feels since... like his shtick. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> it's the first time yeah. we've seen it. But only because of what's come after it. And also, you know, again, speak like the other interesting characterization of Michael is that he's sort of killing only when necessary. Yeah, right. So, well, I always I have always liked that, too. Yeah. In any Halloween movie, I like it when it's not a given that Michael's going to kill everybody. That's really strong here. Yeah. It's like he's 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 laser focused on his task. Right. I got I got to get on the road. I got I got He's got to get I'm, on the road. I'm trying to get from fucking <laughs> Illinois to California in 2 days. He's, he's it's like George Costanza, you know, he needs to make good yeah. time. Uh and you know he will show mercy to those he does not need to kill. Right. It's a really interesting way to establish that character. But also uh, But I also, but but what I also like about it is there's also this looming sense of what that's going to do to that mother for long after, you know what I mean? Right, which is... She's going to see on the news what happened at that school within two days' time. It's a valuable lesson to to people making Halloween movies is that you don't have to go as far as killing. Right. Every single time to be to, to have the same impact right. on the characters. Uh, some of the most interesting characters in the series are the ones who are not killed, but you know, uh, fire, you know, other people around them are killed, mm-hmm. and the effect that it has on them. Yeah. Uh, I love how we sort of manufacture a haunted house out of the boarding school by this Yosemite trip. It's amazing. Which is taking place on Halloween, and it, it makes wasn't absolutely no sense. If memory serves, it was leaving the school empty. Empty, which... exactly. Because originally it was going to be a dance at the school, school, wasn't it? Sorry. Uh, originally it was going to be a dance at the school, right? Yeah, exactly. And so when you and you know get rid of that, and everybody just leaves, you're right. You have this amazing haunted house quality to an entire school. That yeah. again, efficient. Efficient and and a be- this is a, I guess these are and the also a better choice. Efficient and a better choice because um, I have the like for the for the rest of the films, <laughs> I have the note again and again like every time we go to a party <laughs> in Halloween, it feels like the wrong choice made purely out of desperation. <laughs> right, and that's going back to like you know previous Halloween films sure. as well. Uh, Jan, this is where we get Janet Lee. Yeah. Which, you know, we've already kind of talked about. Obviously, it's intertextual casting. Jamie Lee Curtis's mother, mm-hmm. Marion Crane in Psycho. Part of the reason why Jamie Lee Curtis was cast in the first place is because she is the daughter of Marion Crane from Psycho. Yeah, right. So, it's again, it's coded with this intertextual meaning that, you know, if you're a cinephile... It's intertextual it's really quite... writ large. Yeah, and they're gonna take it further. I mean, we already mentioned it, but we have the car from Psycho. That's what Janet Lee is driving. She's her last performance as well, and it's a great performance. My my note it's, is it's my note. She's so good. Yeah, my my note is it's nice to see Janet Lee doing great acting. And that, and that's you know what? Yeah, and she's she's a defined. 
But in addition, we have Sheriff Brackett's line from the original Halloween. Everyone's entitled to one good scare. Yeah. I like it here more than Sheriff Brackett saying again in fucking Halloween Kills. Which doesn't make sense. And yet, it does. It sometimes shows you should, you should, you should resist the urge to do the obvious yeah, sometimes. Right. Um, yeah, and she's playing a real character with a defined personality. Absolutely, But also, right. you know, she's not the only one in this building, because we also meet Will, played by Adam mm-hmm. Arkin, um, who is in his, his own way kind of a Loomis surrogate. Yeah, I think so too. You know, he's like a... Because even though it, he's he, just he's a counselor, a, it feels yeah. like he's some sort of psychologist, psychiatrist, you know, he says that... Yeah. He's got that moment at lunch where he says, I, I believe that anybody could come back. Yes. So it, if he feels like you could bring somebody back, in saying that, he feels, you know, he's got some kind of psychology background yeah. working for him. Well, there. I mean, he, he wasn't originally written as a guidance counselor. He was a English teacher, I think. Yeah, I believe or so. A math, or a math teacher. Um, so obviously they're conscious of him being a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um but it, it's really interesting. Jamie Lee Curtis said that one of the things she liked about the script for this movie is that Loomis wasn't there, but there was no Loomis surrogate. Mm-hmm. And it's actually even more sophisticated than that. There is a Loomis surrogate, right. but he goes under the radar because he just feels like a real character who should be there. Right. And then there's LL Cool J, which is absolutely in-the-moment casting... that. You would works. never pick this guy for this right. role in any other historical context. He's also playing against type as a security guard, a writer, and a hempecked pushover. LL right. Cool J strikes me as none of these things. This is the masterstroke bit of casting of this movie. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> and all I the think... odds are stacked against this working. All the odds. Right. Well, and the thing that's interesting to me is that, you know, LL Cool J, he, this, this isn't his first role. I mean, I you know, no, I, no, I was no. seeing him as early. I, I remember him in 1991 with The Hard Way. Yeah. James Woods oh, and uh, Michael yeah. J. Fox. Now, what's interesting to me is that I think I think he's really fun and good in that movie, too. He's got a great standout line talking mm. with Michael J. Fox. But in this movie, I think what we're witnessing is he's a good actor. Yeah, because he has to he has to act. He can't rely on his persona. Exactly. At any point, because it's nothing like <laughs> the L O Cool J that we, that we know. know. <laughs> exactly. But you know, to, but also if you you kind of you you can sort of observe that and go, oh, this guy's doing a really good piece of acting because he's acting against type. But when you get to the point where he's such a good character, the writers can't even bring themselves to kill him off. Right. When he, when <laughs> yeah. he clearly dies. When he should, yeah. Because he because because they know the audience is going to react badly to this guy dying mm. because we're invested in him again again against all the odds in a in a. What in any other movie would be an awful, you know, shoehorned in CD storyline? Right. Is actually really compelling, and it has its own little arc. It has a, it has it a great arc. It has out. a great arc. It's so good. He discovers he should be writing romantic thrillers <laughs> instead of pure romances. Now that he's experienced 
being knocked over the head by well, well being, being shot, shot by a guy grazed by the head <laughs> actually he does actually michael myers doesn't do as much to him as will does that's true uh so i think they possibly may have learned the wrong lesson from casting LL cool j uh, they absolutely and, did and how well it went uh, but it's worth it it's worth it to have this movie and his performance, yeah. absolutely. But the one thing I do want to say about LL Cool J, though, is, I mean, we've talked before on this podcast, you know, there's something to be, there's always, the most important thing is casting. When you get yeah. the casting right, so much so much of everything else falls into place. And that can be seen so evidently between this movie and the movie that comes after it. <laughs> yes. And, you know, Buster Rhymes, uh, whatever, you know, he gives a little flavor, uh, but it's not this because it's not, it's not organic. This is, Buster Rhymes gives the performance that you would expect LL Cool J would give. Right. But My note is he he has such a natural presence. Yeah. And it it just works so well in this film. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a really strong ensemble. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're not, you know, they're, they're not wasted. Yeah. Which is important. Now, within um, our uh, narrative, mm. John's going to sneak off campus. And just like his sneak, just like his sneaky uncle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Laurie slash Carrie is. We're, we're, we're going to. Is it the first time we're kind of seeing her? alcoholism rearing its ugly head yeah um yeah it's you know he he john has said that she's a functional alcoholic yeah he says that and then you know we see her at lunch and but he says that after we see it oh that's right he does yes uh yeah this is where we get the you know the alcoholism um and uh but i think that's a rather interesting bit yeah. You know, as opposed to, you know, I, I always thought there was something to be said in 2018 for just how much trauma can affect you. But mm. here, but here it's still more interesting to me. Yeah, it's it's way more interesting because, you know, she she's holding down a job. Yeah. You know, she's she's found a way to incorporate it into her life and. It's it's kind of seasonal, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a seasonal think, disorder think, because it's because it's it's based around Halloween. Yeah. Do you think that has something to do with the time too, though? You know, we didn't. Nineteen ninety eight is still the time where, hey, you can still have fun with the alcoholics. I don't know. That waiter seems pretty. Yeah. Right. That if you know. Uh, for someone who presumably sees alcoholism all the time to raise an eyebrow, mm-hmm. it must be, you know, in excess of. But the it's norm. funny that the tone of it seems to be focused way less on her trauma, say, than the restaurant scene does in 2018. That's kind of interesting. Like, yeah, it's. I don't know if it was a specific callback, but of course, you know, in in 2018's version, she 
she grabs whatever alcohol is at the table and just like chugs it downs it in front of everyone and here it's very carefully placed it's like while he's in the bathroom yeah exactly i'm gonna have another glass of wine and he won't know it's the second glass he'll just think i'm drinking the same glass and you know i actually think that's how that's how alcoholism works works. yes exactly right uh versus you know like it's not like a hungry dog needs like a thirsty dog kind of thing (laughs) right um so i don't yeah i i uh, i kind of like it i i think it's i think it helps jamie lee curtis as well because she's not lurching into melodrama mm-hmm. in the way that 2018 makes her do all right um you'll be you will have been happy to uh to have seen the the dumb waiter riffing on the laundry chute from halloween 5 <laughs> your favorite of the halloween movies <laughs> Again, not in canon, but clearly enough in the memory of viewers that were able to have a set piece alluding to it. Yeah. Um, what do you think about... Here's a question. What do you think about the role of jump scares in this film? They feel more obligatory. 100% agree. Yeah. They're kind of routinized in a way that makes you feel numb to them after a mm-hmm. while. And I think the this kids is, banging this is into my... the window. Yeah. Oh, there was just like so many in succession. Yeah, right. Also in such a short film. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and even, you know, with 30 minutes to go when Michael's, when Michael Myers has returned, we still doing jump scares. One of them I quite like, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it is just the way in which they're organized. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, you know, so. It's great to have a movie that is an hour and 20 minutes, but also have questions about how you actually use your runtime. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's very late on in the film when you get to the, the kills. Yeah, right, right. And, and we're still doing jump scares, and the kills aren't as impressive as you would necessarily hope them to be. <laughs> That's impressive. Also, the fact... I mean, you made reference to it that they cut out, you know, a, a detective... Yeah pursuing Michael's storyline, which sounds terrible until you find out that Charles S. Dutton was cast, was cast as the cop. As the cop you're right. like, oh, I kind of would like to have seen that. But I'll tell you, you know, what else it... I quite like, though, is the argument between her and John outside of the restaurant. Yeah. That felt very organic. and I mean, she's a better shouter than he is. Absolutely. But um, maybe in 20 years' time, he'll be as good as she is at shouting. <laughs> right. But yeah, I, I she's think it's... she's particularly good in that moment. Yeah, I, you know we've been talking about the efficiency of this film. I like that she starts it off by by yelling the word "fuck," which he hmm. quietly and sheepishly says, "I'm not very comfortable hearing you say that word." And she, you know, at this almost the same tenor of voice, is saying, "Then don't put me in the position, John." Yeah, and there are moments in this movie. In which I really can see the 17-year-old Laurie Strode mm-hmm. within the performance of, you know, a 40-year-old Laurie Strode. And I don't know. There's just something about it that I, I just I just love that. And, I you know, I don't know if it's more accidental or completely no, I don't think part of Jamie Lee Curtis's plan. But but or, you know, something she worked in conge- uh, in conjunction with Steve Miner, I, you know. But it works in a way that I I think is very satisfying. 
And also, you know, not putting too much on it, you know, not creating a granddaughter character who is solely there to remind you of a young Laurie Strode. Like, it's... Yeah. They they don't make Josh Hartnett uh, like a surrogate for young Laurie. They just let you see young Laurie in, you know, 20 years later Laurie. Yeah. It's just more interesting as a dynamic. Uh, well, um, why don't we take another break? Sure. Then we'll come back and uh, Michael's going to really get down to business. Yeah, Michael Myers is going to come into this Halloween film. <laughs> what do you? Okay, before we go, yeah. what do you think about that? I think it works just fine. I agree. I think, I think this does what... I think what... if you go back and watch the original Exactly, Halloween, I was going to say. I think you'll find that's kind of how it goes. Yes. You have a good hour of building character, giving the audience the information they need, little moments yeah. of, ooh, that's scary, which yeah. this movie has. I mean, you have you have <laughs> the cold so open, many. you have the bathroom, you've got plenty. Michael yeah. staring in the window that M- Michelle Williams is staring out of. You've got all of that. And you have an hour of that and then a half hour of unrelenting Michael Myers. And that I think that's what these movies it's kind of when they're at their best. I agree. I think I think it fit again it feels And that's like why a, this movie a, a, works. <laughs> it feels like an honest tribute to the original, not an attempt to do something different. Yeah. Alright. We'll be right back, everyone. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. We're back once again, everyone. Tom and I are here finishing up with our favorite in the latter part of the Halloween series, Halloween H2O, 20 years later, 20 years later, 20 years later. (laughs) Directed by Steve Miner. 52%. That's a bunch of horseshit. It is. Yeah, the more I talk about this, the, the, the better crafted this movie seems. Yeah, I think so too. I... Do you think it's, um... No, because that doesn't even make sense for at the time. I was going to say, do you think in retrospect people don't like the look of it looking so 90s, like so into a Dawson's Creek slash Scream mold? 
I think by having it at the boarding school, they avoid all that. Mm. I think they avoid some of the excesses of that, even. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feel like it plays into the youth culture of the time, particularly, because they're all just school kids. You know, it could be like... It looks the same as it did in Dead Poets Society, right? I mean, it's the 50s. So I think think that was actually a really... A really smart choice, even though it seems to come out of left field that it's set in this mm-hmm. boarding school. No, I I, I, think, I have always really liked the choice as well. Yeah, I think it covers a multitude of sins that prevent it from feeling too dated. Mm-hmm. And of course, and for want of a better word, timeless. Yeah. Of course, uh, within our story, we're going to get a kind of a chunk of information. I mean, John gets caught out of mm. school. I love the moment, by the way. I think, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm always a sucker for small moments. Yeah, me too. But to me, one of Josh Hartnett's best acting moments is that sheepish look he gives to LL Cool J, like, sorry, I got caught. Yeah. I love it. Yes, this is very good, isn't it? Every, yeah, everyone's relationship to each other is, is kind Clearly of defined. Judged. Yeah. Even, you know, even though it obviously has the mother daughter subtext. Mm-hmm. You also know what the relationship between Laurie and Norma is. Yeah. Like, aside from all the kind of psychoness of it. Right. I mean, she even like, has a line. Like, Janet Lee has a... Because mu- she's the school secretary, right? Yeah. I mean... But she has a line that says, if I could be maternal for a moment. Yeah. Uh, for sure. But it's more... You know, it. it the, as soon as she arrives, she slams the door in her face. And that's hilarious, because that's her mother. Yeah. But... It's also hilarious because she's genuinely she generally doesn't want her to see, you know, her making out with the guidance counselor because she's the school secretary. She's probably going to tell everyone who says he needs a fix. Yeah. Um, And there, you know, and and her relationship with Will is 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 interesting, too. I I go back and forth on that relationship just because in the sense there are there are moments that I find really interesting when they're at lunch. He she is trying to say things to him that she's never clearly said before that she's not handling yeah. things well. And he's, I, I presume because he's got some kind of psychology background, he just simply says, I know. Yeah. But all of those things are also warning signs about what might not work in a relationship, which he seems to ignore completely. I mean, the movies certainly punishes him for his transgressions. True. If you want to see it that way, yeah. you know, he, he nearly murders someone accidentally mm-hmm. and then gets polished off himself. Um, but we're gonna see. Uh, of... We're gonna see all of our teenagers that that matter. Our, our quartet. They're gonna wiggle their way out of <laughs> out out of uh, going to Yosemite. Yeah. And Jamie Lee Curtis. She, she Laurie Strode is gonna be there with Will. They're gonna have a date and. Yeah. He might not make the best choice of bringing a pumpkin and saying, let's do this right. But you'll notice later they did carve that fucking thing. Oh, there you go. Um, (laughs) What do you think about Michael's in-world celebrity? It's always struck me that it makes sense. Do you think because it's on a level of like a Ted Bundy? There's a 60 minutes on Dr. Loomis. (laughs) I th- yeah. Do you think it's worthy of a sixty minutes segment? I bl- I I would buy that. I mean, I'd love to see it. Yeah. I, if someone wants to make it from clips of Halloween, go for it. Um, 
I mean, maybe that's a step too far, but it, you know, if it was, if you had a doctor who was intimately connected with Jeffrey Dahmer for uh, Nightline's the show for him, most of his life, yeah. <laughs> Nightline is the show for Loomis, not 60 Minutes. <laughs> also, the the other, I guess the other big hurdle is, um... <laughs> and again, this just this this really does feel like deja vu. So in this timeline, mm-hmm. Michael still burned to death in. <laughs> Yeah, so that, in the that's the other thing. And they, is, th- there's, again, there's like no way around that. They don't do anything that Halloween 4 does. No yeah. no wrapping on the head, no no scarred hands at yeah. least. And there are so many moments where he's walking around and they're just showing his hands. And they can't even come up with a good reason why he's still alive. Yeah. Nor do they bother. And I just think it's funny that it's like, oh, we're back here again, are we? You get in the middle of that fight, actually, you get a little, Did, didn't you say you saw him burn to death and never got the body? You know, yeah. it's kind of glossed over very quickly, but. Very quickly. But I also, uh, I also kind of like that this movie doesn't give a shit. Yeah, no, I think it's the right move, you know, talking about it by not talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh,. And just hoping that people have forgotten that it ever happened, which they probably have by this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, is this one of the suspense sequences that you like, the garbage disposal? I like. I particularly like the shot. I I just like the shot of his hand going. I really in like it because it. I think it's good. It's good basic horror. Yeah, exactly. Like you take you take a modern convenience, and you create. A kind of a, a sense of fear. A sense of fear it. around it, right? Um, but because if you're a fan of the genre, your assumption, you know, you're going to assume you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And you have the sort of what I like is you have you have Michael Myers stepping behind him in a in a. Mm. A medium shot of Michael. We're rather close to the character, but yeah. But what I like is when he turns around and he's just right there. And I love the awkward moment where a kid who—it's such a good acting moment because he yeah. knows he should be in trouble, and yet he mm-hmm. doesn't want to believe in tr- he's in trouble. So he just says, "Hey." Ah, uh, yeah. I really like that. I do too. Um, so the first kill is off screen. Yeah. Which I don't think is necessarily a bad choice, but given how long we've waited for it, mm. it, I, th- I, I mean, think the long second ca- kill is how visceral long can you enough. Offset, how long can you offset gratification in a, a movie that's an hour and 20 minutes? Right. I think the second kill, not that the killing part is as visceral as, as the dumb waiter coming down on the leg. Mm. Yes, yeah, great. Yeah, I mean that's some body horror. <laughs> I, I, I mean I like that, and even though you're not, you're seeing it, but you're not seeing it, which is another choice mm. I like. I like that they're showing Michael repeatedly stabbing this teenager in the back, but <laughs> so you're getting the horror of it, but you don't have to watch it on screen either. Uh-huh. You know, leaving it to your imagination. The um. 
I go two ways on the keys through the gate. Oh, uh, really? So well, but but well, first, I mean, let's feels, back it, up a little bit because, okay. I mean, you have the moment of you you know you have John and Molly. They kind of hear a sound, so they investigate, and of course, Michael Myers is there, and they start running, mm. and I like that they get out, but the the jump scare that I that I mean, honestly, it got me for. I'm only just in the last few years expecting it enough for it to not really startle me. Oh. And it's when they're running up the the walkway and they kind of stop for a second. And again, it's characters doing exactly what they should do. It's her mm. saying, what the fuck are we going to do? And he says, we're going to do this. We're going to go here. We're going to get to the phone. We're calling 911. She says, okay, let's go. And they start running. And the next thing you know, Michael Myers is right there pulling her hair and throwing her to the ground. Yeah. And... You get a bit about John because he doesn't run away. He, he, you know, punches Michael square in the face. He's grabbing the hand with the knife. She gets away. She starts running away. But Michael pushes him down, <laughs> knifes him in the legs. So she comes back for him. You get a little sense of who they are when the shit goes down. Mm. And they, they are, you know, she hits him in the side of the head with a rock. And they both go up. And I really love, I love that shot from Minor. And it's the one of the one parts where I really like the acting of, uh, hang on here, Chris Durand. Mm-hmm. When he, that yeah, sharp turn, mm. I like that. Yeah, All of that to me is great stuff. And then we it get is. to the gate. And I think that's so a great ga- bit. It, 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 does, it is a great bit. It doesn't feel organic. It feels like, you know, constructed classic horror scenario. It feels constructed, which, but I, I also think the actors... It's okay in a meta movie. Yeah, I think the actors are doing it good. I love the moment where Michelle Williams drops the keys, and she has this moment where she kind of... In in a split second, she's it's she looks to the heavens like, I can't fucking believe I did that. And then immediately decides to try and get them so that Michael can't have them and simply runs out of time. All of that feels pretty organic to me. And I, you know, it's just. I prefer the second half of it with the um, the slashing the knife through the iron gate. Oh, yeah. Because it's kind of like a 3D effect without using any 3D. Without using 3D, right. Um, And also. Effective suspense horror. You know, there's nothing the characters can do. Nothing. They have to hope somebody comes to get them. They have to yeah. hope somebody hears their voice. And then you get, you know, what is supposed to, I think, be one of the iconic moments of the movie. They certainly uh, they certainly focused on it in the preview, I remember. Oh. Door to door, Laurie looking at Michael. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Well, I mean, this this so... Did you get the sense that Laurie has kind of figured this all out in her head in advance? This scenario? Without the film necessarily telling you that she's... That should this should Michael Myers find her, mm-hmm. she knows how to turn the school into a trap for him. Without it actually being like, you know... I'll uh, say yes of, and a no. A Temple of Doom style. Yeah, right corridor of horrors because they're really i mean she even has the line try to live yeah there is a what one of the things i like and i always think works in a movie like this and i don't mean this is a criticism yeah. i mean it's like a it, it it 
you feel that that's what's going on without the movie telling you that that's I, what's I'm going on. I'm not sure if it's pre-planned, but I it to me it's like she's run through every scenario in her head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, what uh, I also like about it is again, there's a real there's a real um, fly by the seat of her pants trying yeah. to not die, <laughs> you know. True. Yeah. And that part I like. I mean, I think all of that works. We didn't need a second knife through the gate. I don't think. We have a second one. Where? Uh, after the knife throwing, I have it here. The knife throwing? Yeah. You mean when she's throwing knives at him? Yeah. And there's another knife through the gate kind of bit. I don't. Well, she, 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 she puts up the the uh, the drawer. Is that what okay. you mean? Okay. Yeah, I just it's a little bit too much like the, the keys and well, the gate. But but once again, like that, like, the gate moment, this moment in the kitchen. Because what I like about it is she's trapped. Mm. She's got nowhere to go. But the the movie to me is... The movie's not making a huge deal out of that. No, that's what I love about that's it. That's what I like. So yeah. it literally, it's her just trying to survive. And what I like is, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's a little too much like the other thing, but it's what she has to use. She puts that door open... And what I like yeah. is, you know, Michael's kind of got this moment of, that's my favorite knife, and he's trying to get it out. But it gives yeah. her a moment to get past him and, you know, through through the door. Right. And again, I think one of the things that works really well for this movie is the editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think, did we pass up? Did we pass up the death? Did we pass up Will's shooting? Yeah, we did. I mean, we've already kind of talked but about it. But I know it. we he... talked about it, but do you feel like that was a cop out cuz Lori at that moment is holding the gun and he kind of takes it out of her hand? Um... Are we absolving Lori? Like, you know, what wh- what if it was her? Not that it matters cuz the movie doesn't kill him anyway, but I mean, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I I I I could see that. I just, uh, you know, I saw it as part of the, you know, Will being punished. Yeah, okay. Sort of um, idea. I, uh, I actually I like it, that moment and that, you know. I do, and I like the decision to not, to have him come back to life. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't because he so clearly dies and was meant to die. Yeah. But. I really genuinely, I really do genuinely want him to survive. And I think mm-hmm. the writers and the filmmakers are feeding off that energy that, that the character is going to is gonna resonate with people so much yeah. that they're not going to want to see him die. They're going to want to know he comes back, that he's not dead. Well, and I at least the movie was smart enough to know we can only have one. And if it's going to be one, it's got to be yeah. LL Cool J. It's got to be, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then Laurie goes full on vigilante. Yeah. She does a full Loomis. But before that. Stealing the truck. Before that, I, uh, I really like that moment of her getting John and Molly out of the closet, the running to the car, hmm. and the whole bit of Michael Myers coming to the car while they're trying. Like, again, to me, that's a moment of great editing hmm. and racketing up tension. 
in a moment where the movie is working. Like, working exactly how a movie like this should work. It's great. Another key, another key base suspense sequence. Though, <laughs> <just>. Fine. <laughs> it's just a little too much duplication. Here and there. No, but I generally agree with you. I think I think this movie works, and I think this section works. Mm-hmm. And I love that she steals the truck and takes the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. I mean, it is like you know. Now Will is dead. She is now Loomis. <laughs> the, well, the Loomis we know from the sequels that don't exist. Um, I like, and again, I think the meta quality of the film really helps this final sequence where she's uh, in the car, you know, trying to get, trying to get Michael for the very last time. In the truck, sorry, trying to get Michael for the very last time. When she says, "Come on." get up Mm -hmm. and it's not about the laws of our known universe it's about the rules of the halloween franchise Mm -hmm. we know he's gonna get up again and she's so her anticipating that is like a really nice double meaning right like in world it's like oh you know know what i forgot to ask you though what do you think about in world and out of world colliding together where for some reason mr sandman means something to laurie strode (laughs) oh interesting as opposed to, you know, it's it's never something that the character heard in any of the ah. other movies. Wow, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Again, I think this movie's meta enough to pull that sort of stuff off. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I just thought it was interesting. It is. It's very interesting. Um, so satisfying. The, the decapitation. Ugh. Um, I mean, when, when, you know, reading, uh, and it's so reading and so taking beautiful. shape, we, we, we know that that, that moment really made audiences cheer. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it, there's, <laughs> and the thing is, it's, it's a really, like, it's a really beautiful moment, but there's not the kind of ambiguity in it to walk the ending back. So it's actually right. a really beautiful moment of a brother needing a sister's comfort. It's sort of like the first time this sequel thing has ever worked emotionally yeah. in the series. What do you make of that? But And it's like, it's not a mute paramedic. No, yeah, right. It could never be. Uh, but like the sibling thing is like, oh, finally, this decision is vindicated because of this beautiful moment. Because of moment. that moment. What do you make the of reach. her reaching towards him and is it that she decides he's he's prankster michael he's this this is not an honest moment from him so fuck you it's when she realizes he's a mute paramedic (laughs) um i think it's just again like it's where the meta like there's 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 what's going on emotionally with the characters and then there's the, the the decapitation is such a decisive blow yeah it's like it's like literally this is the tidiest way to a clean kill, the tidiest way to end the series. Oh, and I love her acting choice right after the head rolls. Yeah. That sort of closing your eyes and the yeah. deep breath. And the you know, the fate the I the fact that they choose to fade to black on the sound of sirens. Yeah. 
And for the first time, you don't know if those sirens are coming to put her in jail. Yes. Spoiler alert, that's exactly what they do. Um, so, even in a movie which is determined to sort of draw, you know, draw the line under the Halloween franchise, mm-hmm. or at least the Michael Myers part of it, in the way that the ending is filmed, you know, it, it you can see the aftermath of it. Yeah. That... Right, Laurie's right, right, right. to face the authorities who are going to see her as the killer, not Michael. And it's... Because she is. Because she is, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's interesting that the next movie picks up her accountability, but it overflavors <laughs> what the... Because what that already is, is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Because... It is still extra legal justice from a guy who has not been convicted of anything. Mm. So it's interesting right. enough. And the film, even at the end, the way this film ends, knows that. Mm-hmm. So you're oversalting the, the soup next time. <laughs> because it's already the moral dilemma that it, that it is in the next film. You don't have to add anything to it. Yeah. I guess you have to bring Michael back somehow. Um. Or just don't go on, which is what this film is clearly about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I have. I mean, that's about that all we like have. A way, I, I do have one more. That sounds like a way better movie than I even gave it credit for. I'm glad you think so. Because I've always I liked it. I liked it already. I didn't know how much I liked yeah. it until so I started talking about it with you. Yeah. Well, good. What do you think of? Because um, generally speaking, I like these moments where Laurie keeps seeing Michael and knows he's not there and closing her eyes. But then it doesn't have a good payoff because no. it's directed clunky when he actually is yeah. there. And that's kind exactly. of a bummer. It also, you know, it gets a bit telenovela at times. Yeah. Or like the Californian Cali- yeah, kind yeah, of style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the other disadvantage of it, I mean, when Michael starts kind of disappearing uh, periodically it leans in a little too much to the supernatural Mm -hmm. and this film in general does a good job of establishing michael as a real world presence it's only a tiny thing yeah but you know and and it's still within that sort of child playing hide and go seek uh quality right but i could do without him disappearing quite so many times okay yeah in this you know when he physically can't do that because then you get into oh is he a ghost is he you know that sort of thing which is always less than satisfying but that's a very minor quibble and right right that isn't i don't really have a beef with this film at all i think it's a very successful marshalling of the franchise i go both ways in terms of what's really going on with michael in terms of being killed. Well, you don't want to point to not being allowed to be either. killed, whatever. I, I I always like it just happens and there's I like not explaining too much. Whether, <laughs> That's why you hate Halloween kills. Whether it's happening or yeah, exactly. Whether it's happening or not. Um Yeah, no, and I think it just needs to stay in the you know, it, it doesn't it shouldn't lean in too hard to either side. Mm-hmm. And most of the time I think this film has got the balance exactly where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Then just occasionally he disappears, you know, once too many times. All right. And these are totally minor quibbles, you know. And then we get to Creed. And then we get to Creed. <laughs> and not the good kind of Creed, not the Rocky Creed. No. 
Um, what other well, uh, first, what, what other credit checks do you have other than Creed though? Well, Creed is my main one. Okay. Because it's a Creed sandwich. Right? It starts off with yeah. the cup into Halloween theme. Then it goes into Creed and it goes back into the carpenter theme. So it's like putting a giant hunk of shit between <laughs> two pieces of the best of the bread, best you've bread ever. ever. Um, and it's, you know, it's like you said, the music is pretty good throughout and doesn't feel dated. And as soon as you bring Creed into it, mm-hmm. it it's just, it's t- what I call timelessly poor. Yes. It sounds bad yes. in any era you listen to it. Don't have to settle no goddamn score. <laughs> um, rigging electrician Freddy Saba the Third. Even the names of the crew sound like their own franchise horror films. <laughs> um, did you notice them watching Plan Nine from Outer Space at any point? I did not. I remember seeing that in the credits and thinking, "Where I know. was it?" Either way, I think it's it, not I good think to... it is on when uh, Will and Laurie are yeah. on their date. I think that's what it is. I don't know if it's a good idea to cite the worst film of all time. <laughs> um now let's did you, well go ahead digital video di- digital visual effects where were they did you see any i didn't see any digital visual maybe uh no i think they really put a ambulance i read over something a hill. taking shape that they tried to digitally put a mask on him at one point and that's part of the reason yes. why it looks so horrible sometimes right but that's all I can think of. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's interesting. Maybe that's and it. And, of course, it ends with In Memory of Donald Well, that Clinton's. was my big note. Yeah. I Right next less to that. Sa- less sacrilege. Right next Go to on, that, sorry. I wrote, I disagree. <laughs> less sacrilegious than cursed, but basically still. Because we didn't talk for. about this. The one thing that yeah. I really don't like about the stunt voice acting is yeah. that he's saying lines... That Donald Pleasant said in all of the other movies. So just use yeah. that. What the fuck's the matter with you? Yeah. Is this the and is this the movie? Is it this movie or is it Halloween 2018 where they have a sketch drawing of this movie? Loomis. Of Loomis yeah. or the shape? Yeah. They have one of Loomis, I think, as well. Yeah. You mean in one of the newspaper? Yeah. Yeah. But it's oh, a, that's it. it's him. It's him in court, right? It's him in yeah, testifying yeah. in court. Uh, but it's a better drawing yeah, I, I, than I, the the shape drawing. Yeah. I mean, let's you know, it's it's the first it's the first move Halloween movie not to have him in. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'll give him a give little, him a little bit break. Of a break. Yeah, I'll give him a little bit of a break. But that's the the the, the voiceover and the the photos are as far as it should ever go. Yes, absolutely. It's still slightly disrespectful, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is about as good as we can hope for. Well, future movies will take bigger wrong turns. Oh yeah, certainly will. <laughs> All right, anything left for you? No, that's it. That's it. Yeah. This is a good movie. God damn it, go and watch it. Yeah, it's good. It's uh, it's well constructed. I think if you so. like well-constructed genre movies, try this one. I think one. you will enjoy this movie. All right, sir. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have to tell us what you think about Halloween H2O. We're fans. We think they yeah. we think they got it right. Fans of everything but the title. 
<laughs> yeah, that title's unwieldy. And 2018 wanted to say 4-0, Halloween H-4-0. Well, that's, well, that's too short. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. When you hear us next, Halloween Resurrection. Yeah, we got plenty yeah. to say. Not all of it negative. No, yeah. There's a Richard Dreyfus door entrance in that movie. Like him in uh, Let It Ride. Except he's <laughs> exiting. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Look forward to that, everyone. <laughs> Say goodbye to everybody, Tom. Lights up, Charlie. No sex games until I've eaten. Boom. <laughs> That's that 90s sex talk I like to hear. Yeah. I, I, so if, if you if you this this movie is not dated as badly as you think a movie from the late 90s might. But here's what I think characterizes it as a late 90s movie. Constant talking. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the house in the first scene never shuts the fuck up and no one else is there he's just talking to himself yeah. That's back in the day we didn't write lines for people when they, didn't when they weren't in the lines. room with other people <laughs> alright everyone until next time <laughs>